You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. All right, welcome into the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We have Andy Serafin, a.k.a. the Football Physio. Andy, welcome in. Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Andy. I'm a physical therapist and a fitness coach right now living in Orlando, Florida, and really happy to be on the show today. Gotcha. So you gave a little bit of an introduction about yourself, so why don't you you know, talk a little bit more about your background, um, where you're originally from, and you know, kind of what you're doing right now. Yeah, so I am from the wonderful state of New Jersey, which uh, apparently a lot of people don't really like us, but um, I love that place. It's forever my my home, um, land of pizza and bagels, and those are two things that I love to eat. Um, and I grew up there, and then I went to uh, Temple University for undergrad, studied exercise science and healthcare management, and then uh, I went to Duke in North Carolina for PT school. Um, and while I was there, I kind of fell in love with soccer rehab and soccer medicine in general. And um, yeah, right now I'm doing a sports medicine residency at Orlando Health down here in Florida. And um, as part of that, I work both in clinic and then I do some outreach hours with Orlando City's Academy. Um, so before PT school, did you grow up playing soccer, led over throughout PT school and kind of led you or made you more interested in it as you were getting more involved in rehab? Yeah, yeah. So I, I've always played soccer. I still play pickup and, and co-ed leagues even now. Um, ironically, I'm not very good. So I don't really know exactly how I how I became so in love with it. But um, it's one of those games, man, where it's like regardless of skill level or age or ability, like you can just go and play. And um, it's one of the best ways, I think, for any adult to just stay fit and healthy. Um, and yeah, I, I've been playing ever since I was a kid. Stepping back, I introduced you as the football physio. Um, kind of give us a little background and a, or a backstory of how that kind of came to be. Um, that's kind of how I found you. I followed you on Instagram and Twitter um, because you had a lot of helpful infographics and a lot of helpful like clinical pearls. And so kind of tell us a little bit more about how you started as the quote unquote fi- football physio. Yeah, so this was uh, this was back in PT school. And um, I've always had a little bit of a uh, entrepreneurial mindset, I think. And um, I remember I, w- I was watching a, um, a football game. Um, it was the New York Giants. And um, because I'm from New Jersey, I'm a Giants fan. And one of my favorite players is uh, Odell Beckham Jr. And um, one game I was watching and he broke his leg. And um, it was, I think, my first semester in PT school. And my friend started texting me like, oh, like, what's up with him? He's injured. How long is he going to be out for? Yada, yada, yada. I was like, oh, maybe I'll make this into like a, a mini video. So put a video on Instagram and it did pretty well. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. So um, NFL, clearly they have a, a large injury problem. <laughs> and I started making videos for random players, Carson Wentz, guys like that. And after a while, I was like, you know what? Like I enjoy football, but I don't love it. Like I love soccer. I'm just going to do soccer injuries. And um, started posting about that. And then I did that for a few months to a year. And I was like, no, we're posting a lot about injuries, but not about how to get stronger and get faster and keep them away. So then I started posting about that, posting exercises like the FIFA 11 plus, um, stretching routines, simple strength programs people can do at home. 
And um, yeah, it kind of just grew from there. And um, now it's almost like a um, like a telehealth platform. And that's where I hope to take it within the next few years. Awesome. So before that, what drew you into sports PT? Um, so you said you liked it kind of growing through PT school, but is there anything in particular that drew you to sports PT? Yeah, and I think this is where um, sports and orthopedics um, kind of differ a little bit. Um, I feel, and this is my opinion, I feel like with orthopedics, things are very challenging um, when it comes to, um, you know, clinical decision making, but there isn't much of a time constraint and there isn't much pressure. And I love the pressure. I love it when it's like, here's an injury, you have three weeks, go, like figure out how to get it done type of thing. And um, just the fact that sport isn't just about getting the athlete better, it's getting them better and bringing them back to their team and making relationships with coaches and fitness coaches and personal trainers and strength and conditioning coaches. And it's a whole complex maze. And I think that's what I really love about it. Right. And so kind of when you're navigating that sports medicine team, um, what are some challenges that you faced, you know, coming out of PT school, not having much experience, but now that you've done a residency, what are some challenges that you faced, you know, when working with position coaches, head coaches, strength coaches, or even athletic trainers, or even surgeons? Um, what are some different things that you've run into when working with different members of the sports medicine team? Yeah, and it's definitely sometimes a, a challenging environment to be in. Because as PTs, we are used to patients coming to us and us having so much, I don't want to say control, but domain over how their rehab goes and how they recover ultimately. Um, but when you're working with a, a sport team, um, you have a lot of other parties that are also involved in care and rightfully so because the sport coach wants to improve their technique so they can play better and the strength coach wants to get them stronger so they're less injury prone and the PT wants to have them recover, but not too quickly because we don't want to send them back before they're ready. And um, one of the best things to do is just sit down as a team and say like, hey, like we all have the same goal and our goal is the team's goal, whether that be at the professional level, like the goal is to win a championship or at the youth level, the goal is to produce really good athletes that can eventually move on to college or the pros. Um, just always coming back to that one singular goal really helps things put things into perspective. You know, you've been creating content for soccer rehab, soccer injury prevention. Um, you know, kind of as you've been posting this content, where do you kind of draw the line between, you know, physical therapy rehab and returning to sport, whether it be like initial stages or even like higher level skill training? Um, I feel like that's a line that's not very clearly defined. So kind of where do you, um, I guess, delineate between rehab and return like sport specific training on the field Yeah, it's that line it's it's more of a very blurry gradient no like it's 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 really tough the only kind of instance or situation where i can see somebody as quote-unquote rehab only is if they're post-surgical and even then you're still conversing with the coaches of okay we just had the surgery we have an important game in 12 weeks. Can he play? Can he go? Because um, if not, maybe we need to get another keeper or another striker or something like that. Um, so I honestly don't think that line even exists. And that's part of the reason I got really passionate about strength and conditioning is because like, you have to look down the spectrum if you want to operate on it. 
and you have to be somewhat competent, at least at both. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I got into strength and conditioning. Now that you've been working um, with Orlando Health, where you guys work heavily with soccer teams, obviously like Orlando City and Orlando Pride, um, what are some like common injuries that you've seen? Um, if there is any like trend in a specific area of injury? Yeah, lots of muscular injuries, lower extremity, um, hamstring, groin, ankle sprains, um, pretty much the classic soccer injuries that you would think um, are, are what we see. And I mean, at the end of the day, regardless of level, most soccer players end up with the same injuries just because of the nature of the game. Um, what I do think is different is the how quickly some athletes get care. Um, at, at most soccer academies in the MLS, I think, in fact, at all of them, you have licensed athletic trainers at every single one where if you get injured, chances are you're getting treatment the next day. Um, that is not the case at the large majority of other clubs and institutions where it could be three, four, five, six months of somebody being in pain until they're like, you know what, maybe I should get this checked out. And um, in clinic, we, we luckily see both of them. And I think they're both pretty unique experiences. As someone that kind of is very passionate about this area, what are some things that as PTs that we can do in the role of, I'm not going to say prevention, but risk reduction and, you know, in the rehab that might be missed, you know, but you've kind of seen and works well with you and your athletes? Um, yeah, just a, a proper screening program where at, at this point in time, most athletes, when they go through a, um, when they sign up and go through a team, you have to have a physical and a lot of the times a physical is just, you know, check some check boxes and make sure that they're literally healthy enough to walk on the field and play. Um, but are you checking their ankle dorsiflexion, right? Are you checking to see if there's a side to side comparison in hamstring strength? Um, are you assessing their core stability, their lumbopelvic stability, um, their strength in general, their experience with strength and conditioning and lifting and their past injury history? Like these are all the things as PTs, like, we're really, really good at, but we just have to go out and do it, um, which is often the struggle of making that that connection. Right. And I think um, sometimes PTs are not PTs, but sometimes as clinicians, we can kind of focus on there's a knee injury, you know, what can I do to treat the knee? And then we kind of, it's pretty easy to kind of get sucked into what are the knee exercises that I can do rather than look, you know, strengthening above and below, you know, up and down the kinetic chain to kind of prevent overall injuries. So what you know, now that you've been working in the field for a while, what are the strengths of, you know, a good sports PT to you? Um, something that makes them successful, something that you see and you were like, oh, you know, I would like to be like that. Yeah, I, I think one is like the the relationship between the PT and the athlete. Um, to me, that's something that's very important because athletes have a tendency to hide things from people if they don't completely trust them or if the athlete doesn't think that they understand what they're going through. Um, and all that information is so important. Um, just having that sit down conversation of like, dude, tell me what's going on. And sometimes you'll get a few sentences and sometimes you'll get a monologue. Um, and me personally, I want the monologue because that's more information. Um, so that's number one. And number two is having a really good thorough, thorough examination process. And this is one of the reasons why I decided to go do a residency is because I felt like my eval skills were good, but they weren't, they weren't great. They weren't top tier. 
And I feel like having that good initial evaluation sets the tone for the rest of the the treatment. And finally, a really good exercise program base. Um, having not only the the knowledge of what exercises you can do, but when to do them, the the clinical decision making and just having the athlete feel ready to go. So um, kind of talking a little bit more about like the exercise programming, um, what are some things that you did to kind of strengthen your base of that? Because in PT school, you get a, a basic description of exercise programming. And, you know, that's something I think PT school should kind of focus more heavily on. But, you know, they kind of push you out or graduate you as generalists. So what are some things that you did to kind of, you know, um, I guess fortify your knowledge about when to do exercises, exercise prescription, or even like different cues to give for certain exercises. Yeah, this is something that I got into in my second year of PT school, when I knew at that time, like, yeah, I want to do soccer. And again, as as an athlete growing up, I did not play at a high level, I had close to no experience with strength and conditioning. Um, So I was like, no, I need to get in that environment. And um, luckily enough, there was a facility about 20 minutes from me um, in Durham in Cary called Athletic Lab. And it's run by Mike Young, who is one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the world when it comes to track and field, speed, stamina. Um, And he's also the fitness coach for North Carolina FC as well as NC Courage. And if anybody's listening has a background into um, what the NC Courage is, it's one of the most successful franchises in women's sports in all of North America. And you watch them play and you see that like, man, they're really fit. So I'm like, man, maybe I can learn from this guy. And I looked it up on his website and um, he had an internship program. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. There's a a time period in PT school where um, we were in an elective program where I was only in class for like eight hours a week in total. So I was like, you know, I'm going to spend the other 40 in the gym. And I'm going to learn how that world operates. And um, that really set the tone for um, my clinical rotations because I had such a strong base of what exercises to do. And I think it is important to learn both exercises as well as the reasoning behind them. Because I know PT schools, they preach a lot about like learning clinical reasoning, which I totally agree with. But there's a point in time where it's like, man, I know exactly what I need to improve. I just don't know the exercise. And um, that's what I learned a lot in Athletic Lab. Right. And I think that's you know a great answer because I think um, working in sports or even in orthopedics, having a strong like strength or having a, you know, a, a good understanding of strength and conditioning, whether it be for your high level athletes or even like your six year old patients, you know, getting them stronger and having a diverse like. I guess like supply of exercises for patients to kind of keep them challenged and keep like keep helping them improve instead of your basic run of the mill, you know, bridges and clamshells, nothing wrong with those exercises, but having more in your arsenal is, is um, one of the best things that you can do. Um, so kind of, go, yeah, going a little bit off of like clinical um, content. So I was looking through your Instagram and Twitter right before we jumped on the podcast and I noticed that you're very consistent and you put out a lot of content. So how do you kind of balance putting out that much consistent content, like good consistent content with like good camera, like good camera angles, good lighting and all that stuff, you know, with being a resident and working full time, basically? <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, when you find out the answer to that, can you let me know? Because I got to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, man, life is, I, I mean, life is, is tough right now, I guess for me. Um, you know, I, I go to clinic, I go to training, and then I come home and I do my own thing too. Um, so from a personal perspective, this year is pretty much, pretty much just focused solely on improving my, my clinical skills and my background. Um, right now I don't have much of a, a work-life balance, I guess is what people call it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's not there right now. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And I knew that going in that it was going to be, um, a year of just being in the grind. Um, and the way I see it, it's, it's an investment because this year will make me better. And, um, yeah, I think at the end, it'll be a good thing. Um, in terms of being consistent, um, there, there are periods on and off where I wasn't consistent. Ironically, during COVID, um, when I had all the free time in the world, I was oddly inconsistent. Um, but right now I have a, um, an Excel spreadsheet schedule where I plan things out every week, every Saturday I shoot content and then every Sunday I edit. Um, and sometimes things go according to plan and sometimes they don't, but that's okay because every week, you know, we do what we can and go from there. Right. And I am a huge proponent of Excel spreadsheets. Um, I have one for this podcast and it just kind of makes life easier. And it's it like, it's the little, the small part A of type or type A part of me coming out. Um, but, you know, to keep my life on track, I got to let the part A or the type A part come out of me. Um, so kind of wrapping it up, um, kind of go a, through a day in the life of being an Orlando health sports resident, kind of whether it be in the clinic or whether it be, you know, on the football field or anywhere, any like a day in the life for you? Yeah. So um, I would say the most average-ish day I have is probably Wednesday. Um, so Wednesday mornings, depending on the week, um, we have sport medicine rounds at the hospital. Um, those start at about 6.30. So um, those happen, I would say, about every other week. So go there and there's a lecture that the... Um, the primary care sports, um, sport medicine physicians do, they have like a whole series. Um, so I, I go there and learn. And sometimes they're on like a, a series such as concussion. We had that during concussion month. Sometimes they're just like random topics like spine boarding. Um, so I'm there for about an hour. And then in the later part of the morning, I go to Orlando City's Academy. Um, and I help the athletic trainer with long-term injury rehab as well as return to play stuff. And part of my, also my, my other goals is to become like a true soccer coach. So it's a good opportunity for me to connect with coaches and learn more about that kind of side of things. Um, while I'm there, you know, doing the rehab, helping with taping, helping with recovery. And then I go home for lunch, shower, eat. Uh, and then I go to the hospital from about 1 PM to 7 PM. And there it's a whole mix of things. Um, we see everything from neuro to trauma to orthopedics to sports. And um, yeah, it, it's a good day overall. Gotcha. Now, in the time that you've been there, have you got to go see any Orlando City games? I love going to games, man. I was at a game last night and um, Daryl DK, who's uh, who's one of our best players, he scored a goal to, to win the game in 90 plus seven. So that was incredible. Yeah, I love going to games. I live about a mile from the stadium and um, yeah, if anyone's listening and you're ever on the fence about going to a MLS or NWSL game, definitely go. Um, I went to a, f- a few games when Orlando City first started as a team, and uh, the environment was awesome. It's the first time I think you know Florida has had a professional soccer team, and so you know for- there's Florida's a pretty big soccer state, and so 
seeing everyone there and all the chants and stuff was a, a, a lot of fun. And hi, I would highly recommend that for anybody um, if you can attend an Orlando City game. So last question before I get you out of here. Do you have any advice for any aspiring sports PTs that want to get into the field that are just thinking, you know, or kind of thinking about it? And um, any advice on, you know, what steps they could take to, you know, get into the field? Yeah, definitely um, find a good mentor. Um, they're really, really crucial into developing who you are as a person. Um, if you can get it through your work environment, that's great. And you should definitely take advantage of that. If not, you have to explore some other options. And I know even now some, some PTs, they're, they're really taking advantage of um, being their own practitioner, owning their own business. And they're starting up like paid mentorship programs, which I think is really cool. Um, it's, it's a really good option. If you see someone, you're like, man, I want to be like exactly like you. Like, hey, can I, can I pay you for you to be my mentor? Um, and yeah, it's a financial commitment, but I, I would think it's totally worth it. Um, also you got to get your hands in the field. It, even if that means working for free for a, a semi-professional or a youth team near you, it's the best way to get experience. And, um, although you're not getting compensated for it monetarily, uh, you're building your experience base. And I know it's not always possible in all cases, but if you can do it, I would hundred percent go for it. All right. I think that's great advice. Um, you know, just trying to get some experience, whether, you know, you got to really love it. Cause unfortunately sometimes the, the work that you come by is not paid. Um, but you got to really love it to make sure you get that experience. Cause you know, sometimes it's, it's tough to make it to, you know, a soccer game after work and then you're, you're going to be out there till 10 o'clock and you're realizing you're not getting paid, but if you love it enough, you'll go and do it. Um, Andy, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming, um, coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, you take some time out of your, your Sunday afternoon. Um, do you have anything that you would like to plug? Obviously, I will make sure I link the football physios, um, Twitter and Instagram, but you also have a podcast. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, we have a podcast called The Soccer Fitness Experience. It's, co it's co-hosted by myself as well as another PT in Boston. His name is Berg. And, um, yeah, it's, it, the audience is mostly for soccer players. Um, if any PTs or strength coaches want to listen, that's totally cool. Um, but yeah, we just talk about fitness topics for players that are, you know, playing soccer and that want to get faster and stronger and play at their best. All right. And I will make sure I definitely link that below. Um, Andy, again, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your time. Um, and that has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Huge shout out to Andy Serafin, aka The Football Physio, for coming on the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.